Well, hello and welcome to the Wednesday Word, the Desert Spring United Methodist Church podcast. Actually, we're coming to you from Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Very uh, excited about our guest today, so we're going to jump right into it. I'm Julie Hart, Director of Connectional Ministries here at Desert Spring, and I have some longtime members of the church, uh, Ken and Joanne Beal, with us. So uh, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Uh, Ken, let's start with you. Well, let's see. I think we've been members here for about 29 years, mm-hmm. and uh, we have made a half a dozen major moves, a thousand miles or more, mm-hmm. in our lifetime. And and there have been several things that have been that has helped us maintain some continuity during those moves because you're always starting over and yeah. what have you. One is the church, probably yeah. the biggest. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Joanne was the Methodist. I was raised in a Christian Catholic church, which is a Protestant church. Catholic was used as universal, and that caused so much yeah. confusion that eventually they changed to Christ's Community Church, uh-huh. CCC still. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and then for the kids, scouting was mm-hmm. a thread of continuity because yeah. the scouting program is pretty much the same around the country. Yeah. And so that was for Thomas and for me. And then for Joanne and Deanna, it was Job's daughters. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Deanna eventually became an honored queen, and then Joanne was a Bethel guardian. Yeah. Amazing. That's so. wonderful. And I, I can't wait to dig into your story because your story has taken you all over the country, and you've had really amazing um, experiences. So... Uh, I love that the church has been the thread. But now, after all the moves, I just, before we dig into it, you're home now, right? Yes. It, it, this is, we're like Las Vegas. We're, we're not looking for any more moves? Nope. Okay, that's good news. Good news to hear. Well, there'll probably be one when we go back to the cemetery. Oh, <laughs> he went there. He went there. <laughs> uh, Joanne, so uh, interjection from you. Well, uh, I grew up in Zion, Illinois, uh, and my my parents, uh, my dad actually, uh, when I was born, uh, he was away uh, putting in runways because it was during the war. And yeah. as a consequence, my mother had to take me to the, or my mother's friend had to take her to the hospital when I was born. Wow. So, yeah. but, and I grew up in the Methodist church. And, uh, and of course, Zion has a huge, huge history. And, um, uh, because it was actually uh, founded by an individual that figured that uh, Zion was going to be heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. And and the rules were very, you know, the town was very restrictive as far as what you could do. There was no drinking, no smoking, no spitting on the sidewalk. In the and whole town. The whole town. Yeah, wow. And, and ironically, um, my family was not part of the church. And my grandmother tells a story about the fact that she had a neighbor that was, and that uh, the neighbor wanted her to buy butter for her because it was less expensive. So grandma would buy the butter and then have to wait till after dark and sneak it down to her. Grandma was a butter smuggler. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So yeah, wow. And and uh, and of course, you know, we uh, were 
sweethearts, I guess, from high school. I was a freshman and he was a senior. Yeah, I'm excited to to talk about that. That's, so, you guys have a long time. So that was kind of the beginning, That's so to the speak. Beginning. That's the beginning, so to speak. Wonderful. So. Well, and also Joanne is a part of, uh, we've been doing a workshop of remembering your story, uh, going through that book, and uh, uh, it's a, working on a biblical uh, autobiography, a spiritual autobiography, and it's been really interesting to hear little bits and pieces of your story. It's, it's been a very fascinating class for me because, you know, hearing, hearing people's stories. And so can you, before we start into yours, talk about that experience a little bit? Actually, I, what it has done for me is brought back lots and lots and lots of rem- memories mm-hmm. because um, my both my brother and sister during the pandemic passed away. And I know I spoke at my sister's memorial service, and, uh, and she was five years older than I was. And at the time, it was like I couldn't remember anything of my early childhood. Mm-hmm. And since I've been in that class, all of a sudden— these memories are come floating back. Mm, that's so wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. So I have thoroughly enjoyed it. And I've also come to appreciate uh, my mother so much over the years and uh, realized how much, you know, I missed her when she passed away. Yeah. I think what the the, cl- the book has done for me and spending time together is just by asking questions and the exercises, it does just kind of open up, you know, you're thinking to things that we just haven't thought about in such right. a long time. So um, I know I can wonderful. lay in bed sometimes, and all of a sudden, some of these memories come, you know, floating back, like you know, playing with these kids across the street and eating mayonnaise and sugar sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, um, wonderful. So, yeah, that's Ken and Joanne. So I, you did me a real big favor, and you, you gave me a little bit of an outline of, of your lives, and uh, they're very fascinating. And so I, I, have, I have so many questions. Um, and I want to start with your childhoods, and you, ta- you touched on a little bit, but you lived with your grandmother for most of your childhood. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Um, my grandmother uh, was, it was actually her second marriage. And her husband, um, unfortunately, uh, committed suicide. Mm. And as a consequence, uh, my folks moved in with her and lived with her. And it seemed like every time they were looking at moving, all of a sudden, Grandma mysteriously got sick. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so (laughs) as it turned out, they lived with, we lived with Grandma until we moved across the street when I was a freshman in high school. Wow. So, wow. So Grandma was also an integral part of our relationship, you know, my, my bringing up. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, uh, and my dad worked construction, so he was gone from like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning till 6 o'clock at night. And because of that, my mother always worked part-time because when you work construction during the wintertime, you, there's no work. Mm-hmm. So as a consequence, my mom always worked part time. So good thing you had grandma. Yeah, probably we a had mutual. grandma. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So it was always someone. So there. my mother was a caretaker. Mm-hmm. You know, she always took care of grandma. Mm-hmm. And as a consequence, in going through the, you know, the exercises in the class, I came to realize that whether I like it or not, that I think I fall into that category. Yeah. 
it's interesting when it when it gives you categories to think about like which one and, and for me anyway some of them like oh I'm that's not me and then you start to think about yeah that is and that and in fact I think about the times over the years with you know with the with the kids and even with Kenton with you know the experiences that he's had the cancer treatments mm-hmm. and and you know my daughter one time um had mononucleosis when she was in college. So mm-hmm. there goes mom, you know, mm-hmm. back to, to stay with her. And my son was in a car accident, and I went back and stayed with her, uh, with him. And my, uh, uh, it just seemed like over the years there were many incidences where it was, I felt, I guess, the calling mm-hmm. that I needed to be there. Yeah. I needed to be there especially the time that my mom was in a bad car accident. And I was actually back in Illinois for a whole month. Uh, and luckily, Kenton's folks were retired, and they were able to come to Albuquerque and take care of Kenton and the kids. Mm-hmm. So yeah. although when I got home after that month, um, I'm cleaning out the refrigerator, and I said, I think I need to go to the refrigerator or the grocery store, and my kids said, I'm not going to the grocery store. We've been there every day since you've been gone with Grandma and Grandpa. We're not going to the grocery <laughs> That's it. We're done. We're, we're not going to the grocery store. So Well, you uh, enrich people's lives. You have spent, you have given a lot of your life to, to making other people's lives better. Well, I just feel blessed that I was able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a so, calling and, it, and it's hard work. It's hard work to be a caregiver. You know, and, and I know the first time that, that um, when Kenton was diagnosed with Hodgkin's and his mother talked to the minister that actually married us, and he told her, he said, in everything give thanks. Mm-hmm. And that has resonated with me my whole life. Yeah, and I want to dig into that more because that's been a guiding scripture for you in in your life. So um, I, I, I read that part of it and we're actually I'm talk this Sunday is my turn I get I'm doing the message Sunday and that that's a big piece of it joy in all circumstances and it's hard for people to understand and for someone to say give thanks for this for some people can be you know off-putting like what do you mean give thanks this is a terrible situation so I'm I'm wanting to talk to you more about how that has been a guiding scripture and how you've been able to give thanks through a lot of things that you've you've been through um, so, so that starts your childhood. Um, and so Ken, you were, uh, you, you were one of eight children. Yes. <laughs> That's a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're not even enough. They weren't even, well, there weren't seat. I was going to say there weren't enough seatbelts for all the kids, but there actually weren't seatbelts back then. <laughs> right. Luckily, but one car. Luckily there, yeah, one car. Yeah. So, it, uh, <laughs> And so whenever we would go, sometimes a couple would have to stay home because it didn't have room in the car. Yeah, yeah. And I can remember driving to California once, but not at that time. My older sister was, was married, and uh, what Anita was probably married then, too. But uh, driving all the way across the country in an old six-cylinder car and what have you. Wow. And... Uh, in fact, when we were coming back, my dad was always saying, drive faster, drive faster, drive faster. And we were in New Mexico at the time on our way back. And cops pulled me over. 
gave me a ticket for speeding. And so we had to go see the judge right then and there. Anyway, <laughs> find me or my dad 20 bucks. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was the last $20 he had. Wow. So, wow. Well, uh, yeah, feed, that's a lot of, that's a lot of mouths to feed. That's yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's quite an experience. And your dad was a bakery owner. Right. So you had, so what was your part in, in that? Well, when I was a little guy, like six, seven years old, they would, on, on Friday nights, they would take me up to the bakery and we would sleep at the bakery. Okay. And, uh, but they would get up about two o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. to start everything for yeah. the weekend and what have you. And then I would usually wake up about six or seven o'clock and really tired and what have you. And I'd go up there and they'd give me things to play with and so forth, you know. Yeah. But uh, eventually then I became one of the active workers at the bakery to where I was responsible for. It was a it was a Danish bakery. Mm. And I don't know if you're familiar with Danish, you know, bakery goods or not. But one of the things they're noted for is the flakiness of their yeah. Danish and what have yeah, you. Yeah. And the way you get that is, oh, I would say that when he would mix up a batch of dough, which we usually did at least once a week, sometimes twice a week, and then he would put it in the big refrigerator that we had to keep it cool, that uh, he, you would roll it out to where it was probably about four feet by six feet and that meant that it was probably about two inches thick. So uh -huh. we're talking about a pretty good size, yeah. you know, piece of dough. And then I would put butter, butter, not a margarine, butter, okay, yeah. and pat it on two thirds of that. So like four feet by four feet has butter on it. Yeah, yeah. And then I, you take one side, whoops, and flip it over, and yeah. then the other one, and then you'd roll it out again, and you do that three times. And yeah. so you end up with a real fine layer nice. of nice. dough and then butter, and, and that's where the flakiness and stuff would come Nice. From. Nice. The tricks of the trade. Do you still bake? Do you still do this? No. <laughs> Joanne's like, uh-uh. <laughs> but that's a great experience, you know, growing up in a family business. And so you, you learn to work. You, you, a work oh, yeah. ethic was a part of, yeah. of your childhood. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, and that seems to show up in in your childhood experiences for both of you, the, the caregiving and the work, those are things that just continue to show up through your lives. And um, so I want to start with both of you on, on church, like your early experiences with church and, um, you know, because when you're kids, you're not really, you're not usually given the choice. You're, you're taken to church. And so kind of how from childhood to your, through your youth years, how, how you experienced God and how you experienced church and the impact that that had. So let's start with you, Ken. I'm probably somewhat different to where I didn't, I grew up in the church. Mm -hmm. It was a given, all right? Mm -hmm. God was always there. Jesus was there, what have you. Sunday school was there. Church mm -hmm. camp was there. Mm -hmm. And that's where I got the nickname Shipwreck, Shipwreck Sam. Shipwreck Sam? It was at camp. It was at your yeah. bunk was a mess or... <laughs> well, Pete Peters was the camp director, and he was a close friend of my dad's. Mm -hmm. And as it turned out, my dad knew all of the church hierarchy and what have you, mm -hmm. and we're close to him. And, uh, and anyway, I got up to camp this one time, 
And he takes me down. This is up on the peninsula in Door County, the very end of the Wisconsin Peninsula in Lake mm. Michigan there. Okay. And there was no sand on the beach. It was all big pieces of limestone. Cause, yeah. Because, you know, the cliffs and stuff around there were all limestone. Right. And anyway, they had purchased a, a surplus raft from, I don't know, the Army or the Air Force or something. Mm-hmm. And it was a big thing. I mean, the, the diameter of the tubes were about that big around, and there was a long one in the center. And, and so they put that out there. They blew it up and what have you, and they had it anchored to the, you know, the bottom of the lake. And Lake Michigan up there, the water is clear as a bell. Yeah. We lived on Lake Michigan down on the Illinois-Wisconsin state line. You walked out in the water six inches, you could not see your feet. Yeah. You know, all the pollution yeah, that was the, from yeah, Chicago garbage, and Milwaukee yeah. and stuff. And uh, and so anyway, he says, this is your responsibility. You've got to keep it and, and so forth. And I could have been maybe nine or ten years old at the time. <laughs> wow. okay. okay, yeah. Well, what happens the next night? A big, big storm. Tore the raft off of the anchor, Threw it up on the rocks and stuff, and punctured the raft and, yeah. and so forth. And that's where I got to shipwreck now. <laughs> ah, and nine, so you were going to camp pretty young. So yeah, so church, you were you're always going to church, always going to Sunday school, part of the youth program. Yep. Okay, just uh, it, when you got to the teenage years, you were still making that choice. The the church, the physical church, you know, when I was. Up until what? Probably it was a sophomore when the when the one that we were going to burnt down. Burnt down, yeah. Yeah. Um, the auditorium or the main sanctuary was it would seat five thousand people, mm-hmm. and that was because they put the passion play on every spring and still do. Okay, mm-hmm. and there would be hundreds of buses that would come in, and they had special parking lots for the buses and stuff. Yeah. And uh, cool, and my dad was in the passion play. I f- can't remember the name of the individual that carried the cross when Jesus couldn't, yeah. and, and that's and that's what he did. And my mother, she sang in the Messiah every year, and I can remember going up to the practices and stuff oh, with her. Wow! And and so that's where my, you know, music sort of foundation came from was the church and so forth. Wow! So that. Uh, we just did that. We got we got to take the buses. I mean, a whole different thing, but that was really cool too, right? I bet you were loving that, Messiah. That that's well, awesome. Yeah. When I worked on the Nevada test site, physically was located out there for four years. Yeah. At Yucca Mountain. That's wonderful to hear about how you how you experienced um, church and and Christ and uh, is a little bit different for you, Joanne, though. Right, you're well. You know, we always we were members of the Methodist Church there in Zion, mm-hmm. and we went every Sunday, mm-hmm. every Sunday. And my mom was very, very active in the ladies' group. And my mom and grandma actually put on the turkey dinner every year, and that was a big deal, you know. Yeah. For for the church. Wow. And uh, and I did go to camp several years, and I think that was the first time where I really felt. You know God's presence. Yeah, was I, was at camp and you know singing songs like "Come, Come, Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And that and 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 my friends that 
that I hung hung around with were all from the church. Yeah, we're yeah. all from the church. I, I love that so, camp is where you first experienced God. That's I you know I've been a part of camp here right. at Potosi Pines for 27 years, and that's it's exhausting. You know, it's the most exhausting thing as an adult <laughs> you can right. do, but. But you get to see, you get to witness that over and over again, and just that little tiny seed that you know gets planted, and it's yeah. And, and also, I was thinking about um, just at Christmas time, when um, after the Christmas service, because we always went to Christmas Eve service, and Santa Claus always came, mm-hmm. and Santa Claus always had a gift for everybody, wow. all the children. Wow. And it wasn't until many years later that I realized, you know, obviously our parents had taken the gift so that Santa Claus could give, mm-hmm. you know, give us the gift. Yeah. yeah that That's w- sweet. That was a big, big deal. That's sweet. So, and of course, every Easter, you know, everybody got a new outfit, you know, for Easter Sunday. That was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but no, the church was really important because that provided the, you know, the continuity mm-hmm. of the, you know, your friends, Mm-hmm. And, and being part of the church, mm-hmm. so I think it's beautiful that that's carried both of you through your lives. That 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 church and that 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 was that's something that has always been a part of your lives. It hasn't always right. been a part of my life, so it's it's really cool to to um, you know to hear that. And so at some point, you guys find each other, right? So this <laughs> is I. I did. I didn't realize you were high school sweethearts till this. So I tell tell me how the, what that looked like. Do you remember where uh, we met? Well, <laughs> I think we met at the bowling alley. Okay. Well, I mean, where I, all high school relationships start. And I was on a bowling league mm-hmm. at the high school. And I don't know. Were you setting pins then? Not at, at that. At that time, time so. but you were an older yeah, boy, yeah. right? So, uh. but but ironically, and this is his sister disputes this, but his sister, one of his sisters, is the same age as I am, mm-hmm. and we were in class together. And anyhow, I remember asking her if that, you know, if Kenton was her brother, and and because uh, I had seen him at the bowling alley, and she her her comment to me was. Well, you'll never have to worry about it. He'll never take you out. Ooh. <laughs> so I guess and that... so today that that she disputes the fact that she ever said that. <laughs> so but... I, I guess you showed her after how many years yeah, I guess right. it tur- I guess it turned out. Yeah. yeah. After almost 60 years. Wow. 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 So but anyhow, so we st- we started dating when I was a freshman and he was a senior. Mm-hmm. And we just, you know, when he he worked for two years, you know, after I, he graduated and then went to went to the university. And uh, we just continued. When, in fact, when I was a junior, he was going to give me a ring. Oh, yeah, no. And Dad's my not mother good mom. said, no, <laughs> no. That's not going to so, so I had to wait till I was a senior. The next time I didn't ask. <laughs> yeah, forgiveness, not permission, right? Yeah. That's when you learn that lesson yeah. in life. Yeah. Wow, it's so beautiful. Did you? I, I mean, did you know? When did you all know that? Like, this is this is it. This is the one. We were just very comfortable with each other, uh-huh. and it just seemed to work out. You know, and our families got along. Uh huh. So, and and in fact. I was always amazed, though, to go over to his house 
because of him, his dad having the bakery. You know, they always had the goodies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was something that my family wasn't into, the goodies. So That's cool. <laughs> so that was really a treat. Yeah. One of the things that I remember that I sort of feel bad about is that I really didn't know how much of an artist my father was. Oh. In decorating cakes and oh, so yeah. forth. I mean, yeah. he always had wedding cakes, mm-hmm. and they were just gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, and... When we would deliver those, you know, we'd use the car because we didn't have a truck or anything like Wedding that. Wedding cake, oh my gosh. And so two people in the back seat uh. had to hold that. Oh. <laughs> and for the round ones that were not bigger than a certain size, he had an aluminum, what do they call it? The, the pan. Like the little Lazy Susan. Yeah, Lazy kind of Susan mm-hmm. that, yeah. that went around. And <laughs> on there were r- roses that had sharp edges, and of course, we're sitting there holding that thing. And, no, and we no. finally get to where we're going, which could be six or 20 miles, and you take your hands off, and for a couple hours, it was indented. Because <laughs> <laughs> you were holding on for dear life. Yeah. yeah. That's but wonderful. he always took a repair kit with him yeah. because bouncing around in the car and oh stuff, sometimes the yeah. roads would slip down, and, oh no. and he could make it look just like new. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that is an artist. You're right. So, well, then when did you know, Ken? I mean, did, when when were you just? Well, probably when, what, you were a junior? When I wanted to give you a ring. Yeah. So that, this uh, is it. Good choice. Yeah. Good, good choice. Tell me about high school, Ken, for you, because you, you had some interesting experiences in high school. I'm not a math lover either. I'll tell you, I'm going to say before you, I, I used to love math. I wanted to be a CPA when I was a kid. I didn't. I just knew that it involved math and spreadsheets. Yeah. We know all that kind of thing. And then I was sick for one week of um, algebra, and my teacher was terrible. And I could. I I got lost. You know, I never found again. He wouldn't take the time, and so I just. I don't love math. And so you're. I love. I love your story. Well, I. Th- I think the good Lord was looking after me because. Uh-huh. I really didn't take school very seriously. Mm-hmm. I had fun. I lived the life of Huckleberry Finn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the swamps down yep. below between our house and Lake Michigan and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Lake Michigan. I mean, my mother knew that in the summertime I would not be home until it was time for dinner. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so that it was, it was a very unique and a fantastic experience to be mm-hmm. able to be brought up in that kind of an for environment. Sure. So, but anyway, in eighth grade, my math teacher is going around telling the students what they should take in high school. And she came to me and she says, Ken, you're not very good in math, so don't take any algebra or trigonometry or geometry. Mm-hmm. You know, just take general math. Mm-hmm. So I says, okay. And I sort of believed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, but came time to sign up for the classes, I ignored her recommendation. Rebel. And I signed up for algebra mm-hmm. and didn't work. I flunked <laughs> a couple six weeks and stuff. And then as a sophomore, I again ignored her advice and, mm-hmm. and I took geometry mm-hmm. and flunked a six weeks or two. Yeah. So I stopped taking math yeah. and took shop classes, which yep. being a homeowner was a godsend. Okay, yeah, because sure. you're always repairing, fixing, or doing something, you know. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, when, when I was a senior, I had no idea what I was going to do when I got out of high school. Mm-hmm. 
and and the bakery wasn't it was probably an option but it wasn't an option in my mind you knew the hard work that that was yeah so yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. in fact out of the eight kids nobody wanted the key to the bakery (laughs) (laughs) yeah they should have had nine (laughs) should have had nine kids (laughs) so oh my mother always wanted a baker's dozen 13 oh (laughs) (laughs) but anyway uh when I was a senior in high school, springtime, I was walking down the hall, and I noticed on a bulletin board an announcement for a scholarship for uh, Illinois Division of Highway Technician Program, which was taught in the summertime at the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so I looked at that, and I signed up for it. And uh, a few days later, I was walking down the hall again, and I ran into the principal. He says, hey, Ken, he says, I see you signed up for that technician program. And I says, yes, that's right. He says, well, he says, three of you have signed up for it. We only expect one of you to get it, and it's not you. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> but anyway, uh, in order to, to sign up for it, one of the requirements was you had to go take a whole day of, of tests and stuff for your capabilities and interests and what have you. And uh, we had to drive about 50 miles to go west to Elgin, Illinois, to do that at the Department of Highways, that district officer. And, and taking an exam all day isn't something that really sort of matched my interests and stuff. Mm-mm. So anyway... Turns out that uh, two of us won the scholarship. Mm-hmm. One of my friends that I still talk to, Jim Leslie, who's cool. down in Missouri, and, cool. then, and then myself. Wow. And, uh, and so I go down to the University of Illinois then, because uh, we got accepted, and trying to go to the two math classes. One was trigonometry, and the other one was college algebra. After two weeks, I stopped going because I wasn't any good. In yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, so then I finally stopped going to those, and luckily I had an, enough good grades in my, all of my other classes. Those are really the engineering classes, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, ended up getting through the program. They kicked probably half of the students out because right. they're from all over the state of Illinois. Yeah, okay? uh-huh. And uh, and so eventually, I f- they gave me the results of the aptitude tests. Mm-hmm. Did that to everybody, and it turned out that I had extremely high aptitude scores. All of them were in the ninety plus range and stuff. Yeah. Which must have been a surprise for you to see, since you kind of hadn't surprise. been encouraged and made to believe that. Right. Yeah. Total surprise. And 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 so. You know, I had a year commitment to work for the state before I could could leave it and what have you. I worked for them for two years, but I was planning on going back to school. And so they had an extension program from the Champaign-Urbana campus where, you know, they would fly the professors up to the Waukegan. Oh, okay. Where, you know, we were meeting in a high school for the the classes and stuff. And uh, started going to night school, and I signed up for two different math classes, one semester and a second semester. And one was uh, college algebra and the other one was trigonometry. And I got straight A's in both of those. Wow. From, you know, the college professors and what have you. 
And I eventually went to apply to the University of Illinois uh, to go full-time down there. Yeah. And they wouldn't accept me because of my low grade uh-huh. point average in high school and lack of any science and math because I, mean, I didn't even take chemistry or anything like that in high school. Shop, 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 shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so eventually I... I came back, well, I went to Northern Illinois University for two years and took pre-engineering there, and then my grade point average was high enough, and I had enough science and stuff to where the University of Illinois accepted me, mm-hmm. and so I, you know, went to the U of I in Champaign as a full-time student for two years there, and uh, anyway, the the second year, I was asked to be the editor of the newsletter from the American Society of Civil Engineers Student Chapter, and so I, you know, agreed to it. But before I could publish the newsletter, I had to take it to Professor Danner to review it, make sure it was okay, and so forth. And so I had done that for some time, and I, this one time I go in and, and uh, give him the copy of what I had put together, and he read it, and he says, looks fine, Ken, why don't you go ahead and send it out? So I says, okay, and so I was literally walking out of the door, his uh-huh. office, Yeah. and he says, Beal, get back here. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, I got to ask you a question. He said, what in the devil did you happen to you yeah. while you were gone, because we never expected to see you again, let alone for you to come back here and blow this university off the map. Wow. And I thought about that. Yeah. Couldn't, you know, and I finally says, I don't know. Uh-huh. But it haunted me. Yeah, yeah. And I finally figured it out. And then in the payback program here in Las Vegas, I'd been there, for, you know, involved in that for 10 years. And... I used to tell the students, because we'd get a whole fifth grade class. They didn't go to high schools in Las Vegas or whatever, because if they waited until yeah, high school, it's too late. Mm-hmm, right. Got to catch them in fifth grade yeah. or you don't, you don't have a chance. And, and I would tell them the story, and then I'd ask them the question. Yeah, that was asked of you. There was only one little girl that got it in the 10 years that I did that. Yeah. And, uh, and I would ask them, you ever had anybody tell you you can't do it? You're no good? You'll never make it? Yeah. You know, yeah. They're shaking their heads and everything. And I says, well, I was told that. Yeah. Completely wrong. Yeah. Don't believe people when Don't they tell that. Them. Don't believe them. And uh, then I would tell them that when you go home tonight, dream your dreams. Mm-hmm. Think about what you want to do, how you're going to do it, and so forth, and set your goals and keep dreaming about them because yeah. if you do that, it will happen. Yeah. What? When? I gotta. What? You? I mean, you will never know. Of all those fifth graders, you know how how many of those kids that 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 you you planted that yeah. seed, you can do yeah. it. And it's it's a it's a lesson in life. Yeah. But I, I would that. I would take three envelopes with me. One of them had a blank piece of paper in it. Mm-hmm. Another one had, was a transcript, official transcript from the University of Illinois showing all my grades mm-hmm. so that I could show them mm-hmm. that I wasn't kidding. Yeah. Okay? And then the other one had a copy of my diploma in it. Mm-hmm. Good for you. And I'd say, who's got envelope one? And that's the blank piece of paper. Mm-hmm. I'd say, pull it out. So they do that. 
And I go get it and hold it up, and I say, it's not worth much. Yeah. And then I would say, who's got envelope two? And they would pull it out. Mm-hmm. And they would, that, those were my grades and stuff. And I'd ask them to read my grades for the different, because mm-hmm. I had 42 semester hours of college math all the way through that with straight A's, okay? Mm-hmm. More math than the poor teacher that told me I was not any good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I don't blame that teacher. Well, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I had fun in school. I wasn't there to study or learn anything. I was just goofing off all the time. Uh-huh. And uh, and I and I always wished I had gone back to see that teacher and t- told her that or the principal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it. You know what though? If you're going to work with kids, you shouldn't. You should never say you can't do it. So that's. Good. I do blame them, but that's Good okay. Comment. You're a better man. <laughs> Good comment. You know, I mean, that's that's an important lesson in life. So, um, so Joanne, back to you. So you 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 both eventually got married, and. Um, we moved to the University of Illinois. Yep. And uh, and I, when I got out of high school, um, I worked at Great Lakes Naval Training Center mm-hmm. for two years in the legal department. And I, one of the uh, captains that I worked with had a friend that was teaching at the law school at the University of Illinois. So he, you know, sent a letter of recommendation, and I interviewed, and I got the job. So I worked in the, in the uh, College of Law for three years. Wonderful. So that was really a, a good experience. That's awesome. So yeah, when the, the dean would go out of, out of town, his wife was a professor in the music department, and um, anyhow, their house had been broken into. So they asked if we would stay in their house while they were gone. Oh. And here we were in this tiny little apartment. <laughs> You're like, sure. <laughs> poor, poor students. <laughs> and so we would stay at their, at their house and, and babysit the house. And the first time we did, uh, when they got back, she called and wanted to know if we really stayed there. And we said, sure. You know, but we were afraid to touch anything. Yeah. There was a dishwasher. What You know, I didn't have a dishwasher, <laughs> you know. And, of course, uh, he had a, a, a large um, supply of alcohol and all this other kind of half, stuff. There. Half of his garage was full of cases of liquor. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> For all the parties with the professors yeah. that we got invited to. Yeah, you know? sure, sure. So that that was an experience. Yeah, so, I love that you said your grocery budget back then was ten dollars a week. Ten dollars a week, and if we really splurged, in fact, the night that I did laundry, I made pizza. Yeah, he made pizza, and we used to get it was was it from Piggly, Piggly Wiggly? Wiggly. Yep. And it was like a dime a box or something like that. The, <laughs> the dough mix. So live it. Yeah, yeah. That was a splurge. That Big was a splurge. splurge. Yeah. Wow. So, but we had a we had a good time. We had yeah. a good time and made, had some really good friends that lived in that same apartment complex. I bet you look up back on those times, those times of struggle and with fondness. Well, you know, I think when you look back a lot of times, you don't feel like that you're struggling. Yeah. You just feel like, you know, that's what, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, and, uh, and... You know, we had we had a good time. I had a little Volkswagen. That was my first car out of out of high school. And my dad always said, "You're going to get killed 
you know, he didn't like it. But we used to have a good time, especially during the wintertime with the Volkswagen, you know, driving through the snow and everything. Yeah, my first car was a VW, too. <laughs> there were times when that's the only thing that would be moving yeah. on the streets. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. So, so. So you drew, you, you, so you're, you're used to cold, you're used to snow. I, my son, Louie, when he was at boot camp at Great Lakes. Right. They had, I mean, he had never experienced cold like, like right. that. Right. So, yeah. So you, you spent time uh, there, and then you all have moved. You've lived in many, many places. So, and and you kind of uh, went where Ken went. It sounds like well, yeah. that's, that's exactly right. that's exactly right. So, but uh, when we left the University of Illinois, uh, we went to Denver. Was our first stop, and we were there. We both worked at Martin Marietta for two years. And then he got a job offer at Shell Oil in Houston. Mm-hmm. So we moved there for a year. And then he got an offer to go back to Martin. So we moved back to Martin. And after we moved back to Martin, um, that's when my daughter was born in 1969. And so basically I was a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm during that time. Yeah, I would so. be waiting for the bus to go to work. You took the bus to work. Yeah, and she would wave at me. She's going out to yeah. play golf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Life is well good. You got to have hobbies. Yeah. So. <laughs> and and of course we were there again. We were involved in the, you know, the church again and I worked with another lady and we started the Mother's Day Out program. Mm-hmm. So every Fridays, you know, we had a we had a babysitter where we would come in and watch the kids, and you know we could go out and go to lunch or do things like that. Mom's so, day out, yeah. Mom's Mother's day out. day out. So. And you, when it came time to kids, uh, to having kids, of course, there was no question you were going to raise your kids in the church, and that's all they knew. Also, yeah. in fact, our kids always went to church with us first. Mm-hmm. It was set up where you had church first, and then Sunday school, mm-hmm. and then church again. So they always went to church with us, and we always went to the early service. Mm-hmm. He insisted that we go to the early service. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and Deanna, our daughter, will tell you to this day that if you didn't behave, you'd get the look from Dad. Oh, the look! I'm sure. I we yeah, I bet I can see that look. <laughs> so, but um, it it was when we were in Denver that he, you know, that he came down with Hodgkin's disease. Yeah, and he was not quite. 35 at the time. So young. And uh, Deanna was going to turn five, and Tom was about a year and a half. Yeah. So so during that time, we were fortunate that we had neighbors that were just, you know, really, really, really great, mm-hmm. you know, to help us out and stuff like that. Yeah. So. T- talk a little bit about that and, and that journey of finding, finding out about the cancer and well, I was scheduled to go down to New Mexico from a work standpoint, and because uh, we were doing the final design on a uranium mine near Grants, New Mexico, mm-hmm. and I was responsible for all of the surface facilities and the shafts and so and what have you. Mm-hmm. And anyway, when just before I was getting ready to go to bed the night before, I noticed a bump on my collarbone okay and make a long story short I ended up going to an emergency room and uh, 
when the doctor didn't come back for a long time, yep. I knew there was something going on. In yeah. fact, when he came back, I asked him, could it be Hodgkin's, knowing nothing at all about Hodgkin's other than that it was a bad cancer to get. Yeah. And he says, yeah, it could be, but he says, we've got to do some tests and stuff. So they finally did a biopsy, and it was Hodgkin's. Wow. And I was staged as a stage 2B, which means... Wow. The B was that it had significantly impacted the blood chemistry. Okay. And so they gave me about a two-thirds chance of a cure. Mm-hmm. And I asked the doctor, what's your definition of a cure? Right. And he says, that means that we can't tell any difference between your life expectancy than somebody else your age and your sex in the general population. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, that turned out to be true. So that... Uh, you know. Wow. It, uh, so yeah, that was a big, big shocker. Right. And this throws you back into the caregiving mode now, Joanne. So you're... Well, and, and, and that was at the point where I think um, when his mother talked to the minister and the minister said, with everything, mm-hmm. give thanks, Yeah. that that has resonated with me because I really feel like that with, you know, the fact we've been married 60 years and the medical problems that he's had or the medical problems my family has had that uh, has given me strength mm-hmm. to realize that God was there. Mm-hmm. And and I feel, I personally feel a blessing mm-hmm. that, that I've experienced just by knowing that, you know, I wasn't alone, that God was there with us. And I think he has blessed, blessed our marriage. He has blessed, you know, our children. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I have a term that I use more probably within my own mind and stuff as compared to outspoken. Is there's an ever presence with you mm-hmm. of Jesus and God. Mm-hmm. Instantly, they're available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I yeah. know at that yeah. particular time, one of the things that that I also realized was because of my, I was in my early 30s, he was in his early 30s, that I needed to make sure that I was, if something were to happen, that I could take care of myself. Right, it changes things, right? And so as a consequence, like, I think when Tom was um, in kindergarten, I went back to school uh, to become a paralegal. Right. And took several classes, but then... That first year after I started, you know, that's when we ended up moving to Albuquerque, and they didn't have a similar program there. Mm-hmm. But I did go to the University of, of New Mexico, and I took classes uh, through the Women's Center and realized that, hey, I really enjoy um, office work. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. so I, I actually... Uh, updated and took classes and updated all my, you know, secretarial skills in that. And uh, and then I ended up going to work in a property management firm. Yeah. So I've had a variety of, you know, I've worked in property management. I've worked in, you know, banking. Yeah. I've worked in, you know, in a, a legal for a while. And then, of course, uh almost 20 some years out at the Nevada test site right, you know, project. Right. So, and as a consequence, there were always times that I was updating my skills. Yes. Just, but that's something I, you know, really enjoyed. And I really enjoy working with, 
people. And, and I was even thinking in some ways, when you're working for a manager, in essence, you're a caretaker for him. <laughs> you know what? You you're know? not wrong. You know? Yeah. Because you're managing his schedule. Yes. You're, you know, looking at emails. You're doing all these things. Yes. So in essence, yeah. you're, you're a caretaker there, too. You really are. You're, you know? <laughs> you're really, you you play a very strong supporting role. So yeah. so I've been blessed in, in that area. I've been blessed That's in amazing. that area. Well, and it's it's amazing that... A lot of times, the being able to recognize the presence of God, a lot of times it comes after, like looking back, you know, oh, you know, that's where God was there. But it sounds like you were both able to recognize and be thankful for blessings at that time, you know, to you, you talk about your neighbors and, um, you know, that's just, that's just a strong faith. And, and, and I think these kinds of life altering things can either you know, break your, strengthen your, your faith or kind of shake your faith. Yeah. And so was there a time in any of that that was kind of faith shaking for either of you? Not me. No. Nope. Still to this day, you know, I pray that just give me the strength to handle what I need to handle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and during the times that my mother was alive, because of the problems or, or the, the health issues that my dad had, my mother was always the strong one, mm-hmm. you know, and and so when he was going through the chemo, uh, my mother had gone through radiation with my father because my father ended up having cancer of the larynx and had his larynx removed, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we used to talk on a regular basis, and and she was, you know, she was, you know, my support person you know right. during during that time right so, right wow but, and she had us always had a strong faith also mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I, it's the, going through it's hard for me to imagine going through something like that without the faith and people do and I, it just seems like a very hard mm-hmm. hard way to go <laughs> well we sit here and we say chemotherapy and yeah that's just a name mm-hmm. but when I was going through that, and I was on it with Hodgkins for six months, and then the doctor decided to keep me on it for another year, except yeah. only once every three months. But I was mm-hmm. on chemo for a year and a half. Wow. Twelve hours from the time that I got the injections, I would become extremely ill. Yeah. Vomiting. And I'd probably, over the next three, four hours, vomit 200 times. Oh, my I'd gosh. be so weak that I'd have to crawl on my hands and knees to the bathroom so I could. Oh, okay. And I'd have Joanne get me some 7-Up or Sprite, and I would sip it so I had at least mm-hmm. a little something to upchuck, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it wasn't a fun time. <laughs> no. No, definitely not. Well, the good thing, though, was we had a two-story house, and so, you know, he was upstairs and we were downstairs, yeah. and the kids were kind of isolated from that a little bit. Yeah. But it took me five years to th- finally believe that I w- could get cured. Mm-hmm. That's always like in the back of your head, right? That was yeah. always there. Yeah. 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 Well, it, and I think today, too, just because of the health issues that he's had, that when, when he gets sick, mm-hmm. there's always that in the back of your mind okay. is something else Totally, you know, totally. So, yeah, yeah. I I had the good cancer. I had thyroid cancer, but I wasn't sick. So when the doctor told me I had cancer, I'm like, no, I don't. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so that kind of that was 
that was a kind of nagging thing too. Like, how could I have been, how could I have cancer? I didn't even feel sick. And so I, I do understand that kind of feeling. It takes a while to shake that. So, um, yeah. Wow. Wow. And so, um, you, you got well Mm -hmm. and you continued on, you know, um, with your work and, um, made, made, made several moves. What's the favorite place you lived? Well, first of all, what, listen, we've never lived in a bad place because everywhere you go, there you are. (laughs) Right. uh, You know, life has been a joy. Yeah. And, uh, everywhere you go, there you are. You got it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and and also I, I think that you take advantage of, you know, the opportunities that you have to, Mm-hmm. And I've had a fantastic career in mm-hmm. my life. <clears throat> I mean, many, many first-of-a-kind projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I worked in the aerospace business, Titan II, Titan III missiles. And, and then I got out of the aerospace business because of all of the uncertainty and what have you. Yeah. It's exciting to be a part of things that, um, you know, big things, big things. Um, and, and back to you, Joanne, you, you were an a motivational trainer at one point. Uh, one of the organizations that I worked in was a, it was called the Administrative Respo- Resources Organization, mm-hmm. and um, we several of us were responsible for the admin personnel within the different organizations within the company, mm-hmm. and I was in the stockpile stewardship organization, and there was over a, a hundred admin people. And one of the classes that, um, that we took training for was called the Star Achievement Program. And it all has to do with the basis of the class was your attitude. And I don't know if you have ever heard this by Charles Swindell. It says, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than success, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearances, gift, giftness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for all that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. Wow. And the program, the program, it was all based on attitude and there were uh, three of our supervisors that took the class. And basically, um, we had a workbook that we worked through. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, what we call them soft skills. Yeah. You know, how you react to a ba- boss and different things like that. Yeah. And so um, I did that um, for, you know, one, one year when I was in that organization. But then when I retired, um, they asked me if I would continue 
facilitating the classes. Right. And so I did that. And normally we ha- we would have like a group of like 12 to 15. And there were all kinds of different activities that you did with it. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Well, but, that's wonderful. <clears throat> yeah. It was something that I really enjoyed. And, and I have to give the company a lot of credit that they took the initiative to work with the administrative staff yeah. within the company. Yes. So this is culture building stuff that work that you did. Yeah. Yeah. Building that culture. So. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm going to take a picture of that. Yeah. So you can, you can have that. I have oh, several. Oh, thank you. So. Thank you. But, but I just remember <clears throat> as a supervisor of admin people, we would have a boss that would come in and complain that the admin wasn't doing what he expected them and we would say well have you sat down with her have you explained what you're you know what you expect well no well then how do you expect her to know (laughs) yeah what needs to be done if you don't tell her yeah yeah so yeah very true you both had very satisfying careers even though yours yours changed quite a lot too um it sounds like you both made the best of the opportunities, like you said, that were given you. Well, and... I used to say I'm a jack of all trades and master of yep. some. <laughs> <laughs> that's better than I got. Exactly. Yeah, that's wonderful. So then eventually you make your way to, to Desert Spring Church, but not immediately. What? How, does, how did that happen for you coming here? Well, the year that my daughter got married, um, we went back to the church that we had been attending here in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but there was something that just came over me in awe that just came over me, and I started to cry. And I said to Kenton when we left, I can't come back here. There was just something that just did not feel right. Wow. And it, was like, it, it was like somebody saying... This isn't the place for you here. Yeah, yeah. And so we started coming to, you know, church here when well, we were... we were heavily involved, and Reverend Ramsey... Right. ...wanted us to be... Initially, yeah. You know, one of the original members yeah. and stuff. Yeah, you're almost originals, huh? Yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we started, you know, going to church, you know, up in the uh, the community centers and... and I said to Kenton, you know, after the first time, I mean, we were sitting on folding chairs and, yeah. you know, the whole things. And I said, this feels right. Yeah. This feels right. Wow. So I don't know if the spirit was talking to me. Yeah. Or just what, but there was just something that came over me that it just, you know, and it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain. It's just this feeling that you have that I, I, you know, I don't know. You know, you know, and that's the, and, and the, what a blessing it is, a huge blessing that uh, you have been to Desert Spring. And obviously you've been here long before I got here. I was talking about you to my mom. I said, they're, they're like part of the furniture there. And then I'm like, wait, they are uh, <laughs> part of the furniture there because Ken, you've actually built part of the furniture yeah, yeah. here. So... <laughs> Yeah. So, um, tell 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 me about some of the ways that throughout the years here at Desert Spring that that the ministries are the things that have been most meaningful for you, both of you here. I think seeing the church grow the way that it has, because I mean I can remember being here before there was a church here. Right. 
and thinking of, of all of the things that the church has gone through and where they're at today, it's yeah. overwhelming. You've been through many pastors. You've been yep. through all kinds of buildings. And, yeah, from the, mm-hmm. and, and I say this with all honesty, we've been blessed by having good pastors here. Oh, right. And I have been able to work with every one of them and uh, support them and so forth. So, yeah. I think that's um, awesome that you can say that because we're kind of coming into a time, we know like, not today, but coming up, you know, Pastor, and some people have only known Pastor David, so they've never, they've never experienced the gifts that different people can bring. So um, I'd like to hear some of the gifts you, you saw in some of the pastors and what they contributed to Desert Spring here from your perspective. Well, I can see, well, there was, Reverend Ramsey was, you know, the original minister, Mm -hmm. and then Dan Morley, Reverend Morley, he was, and, mm-hmm. and, and when he became the pastor, that's when we started working with the church, or not the church, but the high school and stuff, and, mm-hmm. and having the worship services in the auditorium there. He was a person, people. Yep. Very easy to talk to. Yeah. Okay. And uh, just a pleasure to, to be around, but I can still see him throwing a sandbag up onto the roof of the high school yeah, the, yeah. with a rope on it so we could tie the banner on it and hoist that up there, you know, <laughs> yeah, advertising awesome. church services. Yeah. Every Sunday he had to do that. Yeah, yeah, pastors have a lot, various duties yeah. as assigned, yeah. 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 And, and, and Pastor Tom, uh, he was a joy to be around, and uh, we had a very close personal relationship and stuff with him as well as many other people. Mm-hmm. We still do today. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. still do today. Yeah. yeah. And uh, in fact, the last time Pastor Dan was here, I told him about still being able to remember seeing him throw those bags up on the roof. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> I caught him by surprise. That's so great. And so Pastor Tom, I know I've heard Pastor David talk about how he built some solid leadership, and obviously you all were part of that leadership there. Um well, you were on the building, the different building committees. And, yeah, I was, I've been you know. on so many building committees that <laughs> I probably can't even name them. Yeah. And, yeah. you know. I mean, that... not just here, but elsewhere. Right, right. Green Mountain in Denver. Yeah. I was on that one. One of the things that we didn't tell you is that when we were moving and the kids were old enough to understand, they had the veto vote of whether we're going to move or not. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And, and we would tell them the bad things about yeah. moving and, and the good things and stuff. We probably would tell them more about the bad things because yeah. we didn't want them to feel like something had been kept away from them, okay? Yeah, that's awesome. So you had Pastor Tom here, and then after Pastor Tom, what happened? Oh, you mean with Pastor Dave? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was fantastic. In fact, I've probably never told this to very many people. But to me, Pastor Dave is the closest person I've ever seen that probably acts and thinks like Jesus. Wow. Wow. Neat, neat, neat guy. Yeah. Just spectacular. Yeah. Yeah, he... he... And and the Bible studies, I'm always amazed. And we've been going to Bible studies ever since he had them. I'm always amazed at his interpretation and how spot on it seems like it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
he has so many gifts and yeah. and um it, it it takes a weird it's a weird mix of um gifts and abilities that you're supposed to have as a pastor <laughs> so but you have you both have supported every pastor that's been here in the church you've had a part of supporting yep. them every single one of them yeah. and that's um that's a really big deal because sometimes people the new pastor comes and they it's hard to support or they don't do it like the you know the last guy and you've seen that they all do it differently they all pastor in a different kind of way but um the ways that you have been able to find to well, support maybe maybe i have a different outlook because i have changed jobs so many times that it's okay Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe maybe you guys have had so much change. So change is hard for people, especially in the church. Yeah. So, what ministries throughout the years meant the most for you here? The Bible study. Yeah. Bible, Bible study. study mm-hmm. The educational. That mm-hmm. that competes, not in a negative way, with going to church. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's you know we learn so much from that. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And I've always been involved in the women's group, mm-hmm. you know, over the years. So, and of course, t- to me, the pastor's partner program that I was involved in yes. for several years was extremely, you know, meaningful. And during the pandemic, we both had a list of people that we called, you know, on a regular basis. Yeah. And, uh, and in fact, it was two weeks ago, there was a gentleman that I had called on a regular basis that I didn't, you know, I didn't know who he was. And we were coming out of the early service and I saw him standing there with a name tag and I realized, I, I used to talk to you. Oh, that's so awesome. And so I went up to him and entered. I'm not quite sure he, you know, remembered or understood, you know, but I thought that was really neat that because that was one of the things that when I was calling on a regular basis, we always used to say, well, once we get back, we're going to have to try to connect in that. But that was very meaningful for us. Yeah. And there you are again in that su- supporting role, supporting the pastor, because it's, you know, it, it's a big church. It's hard to, uh, you know, connect with everyone. And, and well, especially people. during the pandemic, because yeah. most people just wanted to know what was going on in the church. Yeah. And so when Pastor Dave would have his updates, and we would sit and the two of us would take notes and then we would compare them and then combine them, you know, yeah. combine them and then share that information. Yeah. So. And when you and Reverend Weber asked us to go and check to see what, you know, some of the people yeah. that can't get to the church and stuff, what they would like to hear when we call them. Yeah. Well, I've called several people and probably almost overwhelmingly. It's everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's their answer. I well, think that's wonderful. And you're, Ken, still in contact with a couple that have moved to Utah, mm-hmm. and they're still very, very interested in what's going on in the yeah. church. Yeah, yeah. You guys can still continue. In fact, to she that. said, "You be sure and let Pastor Dave know that we really miss Desert Spring." Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So. So then as you think about um, down the road, Pastor David leaving, what's what's your hope for what's to come? What's your big hope for, and with all that you've seen Desert Spring grow into, what what do you what is your hope? That the transition goes easily. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the last thing this church needs is a hiccup. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. and especially now when you look at all the different programs that there are available. Yeah. 
now there's a, a lot of programs that obviously we could be involved in that we're not involved in now, a lot of the, but uh, we have been blessed with all those that, you know, that we were involved in and we're, we try to do the Bible study every week. Mm-hmm. Good for you. I think people want to know, even if they're not involved in so many things, they want to, it's, it gives people comfort knowing that there are things going on in ministry. And I on. think the yeah. youth program is especially important. And, yeah. and that's, I think we've been blessed with that and with all everything that you've done with the youth program. Because when you look at that, that's where it starts. Yes. Yes. And, and then you see... You know, people in the choir. I know. That, you know, that started out as youth, and now they're standing up in the choir. Yeah, we got people on staff that so, started out as youth, right. even. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's great that you recognize that, and you um, have you, you all have been a part of that. Um, like I say, part of the furniture. So for those that come on campus, Ken, where can they find your, your fine work here? <laughs> You've done a lot of building, and... If they know what to look for, they can. There's a good chance they could see something where they're at. Yeah. That's Start looking around, right? And, uh, but, I guess I'm the cross guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Only one cross has been put in that I haven't been involved with, and that's the one right outside of the narthex outside. Yeah. yeah. But the big one at the corner. Yes. I can remember talking to Pastor Tom about it. And I says, Pastor Tom, you remember when I told the architect to be sure and put the cross on the outside on yeah. the sheets? Because that had to go through yes. Summerlin. Yeah, yeah. Howard Hughes had yeah. to go through the city, yeah. had to be approved and stuff. Right. And he says, why? I says, because it will slip right through it. But if we wait until we get done with this and then do it. It won't happen. And it's not approved. Yeah. It's not going to happen. You're right. Those brilliant. And so many times when I say I work at the church, they're, I'm like, oh, it's in Samoan, you know, and they're like, the one with the cross on the, yes, the yeah. one with the cross on the corner. And, and I was working with the architect this one time, and I said, you know, I said that outside cross, I think it needs to be slanted so it's parallel to the waterfall, and it needs to turn, we need to turn it 45 degrees so that the sharp edge is out. It's not flat. Oh, right. Okay. And he says, what are you doing? You trying to be an architect? <laughs> he says, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a, what a cool legacy to leave me to be the cross guy here. I mean, that's really awesome. Yeah. But I still make the small crosses. Well, I, mm-hmm. the last one I made was one of the bigger ones. It's like 20 by 30 inches and stuff. And there are several of those around. Mm-hmm. And, and it's either two or three of the... Uh, Oh, what were they? The Advent candles. You did the supports. Advent candles uh, yeah. and the communion. And and then one thing that uh-huh. people don't know is that you know we we bought the altar, yeah, in the all-purpose room, yeah. And anyway, you know, we ran it through all kinds of people with the drawings and what have you, and and I signed off on all of the drawings that that's okay and so forth. And then we ordered it, and then it got delivered. And Pastor Dave, I think, was here then. Yeah, the wording was incorrect. Yeah, the scripture on it was wrong. Oh, And when I called the company down in Texas, they says, no, we didn't do that. I says, and and he says, and you signed the drawing. I said, I know that. And I says, it's not correct. So he went and checked, and sure enough, it wasn't, okay? 
And he says, oh, man, he says, I don't know how we're going to fix that. And I says, well, I've got a fix for you because I had looked at it. And, and <laughs> I, had a, I had a fair amount of quarter-inch oak, solid oak that was left over from the choir cabinet. Uh-huh. And I says, I can cut a piece of that so that it fits in there perfectly. And when I mean perfectly, it does, because you need to go look I at know it. I know I am going to go okay? look. <laughs> and, and I says, I will send that down to you. You stain it, and you put the correct wording in. Wow, now I gotta go check that out. And and he says, Okay. And and it and I can still and when I told Pastor Dave about it, he says I had already checked it out and I knew it was the wrong thing. <laughs> really? <laughs> and so yeah. when I came up, I got the piece from him, I came up, I says, Come on, you gotta see this. And so I brought my little tiny air nailer, okay, and that's uh-huh. a little tiny thing. It shoots like <laughs> A straight pin is too long for it, okay? Uh-huh. But they're about that diameter, and you can go boom, 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 uh-huh. boom, and had that thing nailed in there. I ne- seriously, I now I'm gonna have to check. I'm gonna check that out. <laughs> but nobody noticed that it was the wrong scripture yeah. to begin with, and nobody noticed that it had been changed. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Well, yeah. you also did the panel, the panels. For the, the multi, choir, the choir yeah, panels, choir panels the, they sat the behind. We had we had gone back yeah. east and came <laughs> back here, and they had. Did just you ever curtains. see what the original ones were? Yeah, PV, yeah PVC pictures. pipe yep. with I've green seen pictures. Yeah. I, they are Draper. hideous. <laughs> I've seen and the I pictures. Says, <laughs> I says I don't mean to complain. He says, "What?" I says, "Well, about the choir panel." He says, "Well, don't feel bad." He says, "Everybody else has." <laughs> <laughs> they they I've seen the pictures. They were pretty bad. Yeah. So that. Wow. Yeah, because yeah. he when he was making those, we were hauling them from the garage into the yeah. house, to the house, to the garage. And I mean, those each yeah. one of those panels is heavy. It's oh, I know. Jo- I've lifted them. I know. <laughs> it's all Joanne and I could do to carry them. Yeah. Okay. My my neighbor lives kitty corner across the street. I use the third car garage to store my woodworking tools, not to use them. Yeah. Because there's not enough room. Okay, yeah. it's it's all right. taken up with the tools and stuff. And so I would move them outside when I was making, you know, things, cutting it and so forth and putting it together. And anyway, uh, I was out there and I was actually putting the cross and the molding on and using, you know, the air inhaler guns and stuff. Yeah. And and I had a set of blocks that I would, you know, the, I called them jigs because I could get the, the crosses all centered on all four panels in the right way and so forth, you yeah. know. So I was, doom, doom, doom. he says, I don't believe how fast you're doing it. Wow. <laughs> and he says, when are you going to take them up? I says, probably Monday. And so he called me on Monday and he says, did you take them up? I says, yeah. He says, how's it look? I says, you want to see? He says, yeah. I says, come on over and we'll drive up there and I'll show you. And he walked in, and and the panels were up, okay, because, yeah. you know, I didn't have any access to under the stage. I had to use blind inserts and stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, he says, holy cow. He says, if I would have guessed, he said, the panels, the altar, they were all purchased at the same time. Yeah. He says, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, it, re- it really, yeah, it's such good work, such so, good work. Well, Pastor Dave more than once has said to me, <laughs> you haven't lost your touch yet, Kim. No, not at all. <laughs> it's nice that you still do that. Yeah, so that's that. wonderful. 
you know, there's just, I, I, I have so many more questions, but, um, I wanted to, uh, you have this, uh, the, the, the doer of deeds, this Yucca Mountain project, uh, that you were awarded here. Um, and I wanted to read this because I think this speaks to who you are. I, I read this. I was like, well, that's, that's, that's right on. You received this. I don't know what the date is. Yeah, there's no date on it. Okay. Doer of the deeds, let it be known by all that pass through this office that Ken Beale has been granted the title of Doer of the Deeds. This honorary title has been granted for the services rendered above and beyond the call of duty. The future belongs to the Doer of Deeds. It says, It is not the critic who counts, not the person who points out how the strong stumbles or where the Doer of Deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the person who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, and comes short again and again because there is not effort without error and shortcomings, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasm, the great devotions, who spends themselves in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who, at the worst, if the doer fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that their place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. There you are. That's, uh, you know, I read that at the end of just kind of the outline of some of the, the amazing things that, that you've done in your life, and that's, that really speaks to how you've lived, how you've lived your life. When... Have you heard of the Leadership Las Vegas program? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know people who've gone through it. Yeah. Well, I heard about it, and, and I eventually applied for it. Yeah. And, and the convention center people called me, and they said, we can't submit you this year. You are the wrong race and the wrong sex. <laughs> ah, dang. <laughs> can't fix that, can you? <laughs> and... Uh, because they have 42 people they bring in, 21 women and 21 men mm -hmm. each year. Yeah. And yeah. they've got the religions to cover and the races to cover. Yeah. And the competition becomes extremely intense. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, when, when they were going to finally issue the awards, because it was conducted just like what? The uh, Grammys or the... Academy Awards. Yeah, Academy Awards. Where they had the envelope yeah. and everything. It yeah. was done by an uh -huh. accountant. Cool. It, it was all duplicated. And so I had a table that I invited people, to, and Reverend Ramsey was one of them. Oh, sweet. Wow. That's wonderful. I, I love your story. I know we've just scratched the surface of it, but I, I love uh, your life has been um, just a testimony to your faith to your hard work, um, just to all those seeds that were planted as, as a young child. So, um, and Joanne, I love that you, I'm, I'm into the house, shall we name thee? And when I did the, when I had to preach last time, that's, I talked about that. And that's what, that's what really got me on this track of, man, I want to hear people's stories because I, I keep going to these services and pastor David does to me a very powerful part, this, how shall we name this person? And every time I'm like, well, that would have really been cool to know or, you know, or how, do, how would I be named? And, and, um, so, uh, you wrote this. Yeah. So Joanne Beale, how shall we name thee? Um, child of God, 
wife, mother, grandmother, and caregiver to all. And uh, that's that's the life that you that is the life that you have lived here. And 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 I know you've got a lot more that that you are doing here um, that you will do. But I just want to say, as someone who came in a little a little late in the game, uh, this July will be my ten year anniversary on staff here at Desert Springs. So I'm. I'm one of the new guys here, yeah. uh, but what a blessing! What a blessing you are for the church, um, the culture that we have here, of hope and trust. Um, you're you're baked into that culture here. You're you are you continue to support that part of who we are, and um, so yeah, I just want to thank you for everything that you that you mean for us here and. Well, well we've thank been, you. Thank you. We've been blessed, you know, with the staff here and the and the wonderful ministers that we've had. I think have enriched our lives, you know. So, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, and thank you for sharing your story. When I first like, I really got to get you guys on the <laughs> podcast. Where we, I started hearing, and um, so yeah. Is there anything, any big ticket item you think that uh, people hearing your story need to hear? I had mentioned that I had a fantastic technical career, which I have. One thing I didn't mention is there's a few pieces of structure up on Mars that I actually physically designed. That was launched to go there. Okay, see, and I knew that, and I meant to ask you about that. So yeah, some I don't know if it was David or somebody that had ta- I had heard this. So. And, and when I went to work at Martin, there was not a code or a book or a pamphlet on how you design structures to survive to Mars. Yeah, that's wild. But... I mean, for the first two years I worked on that program, full overtime, which meant 20 hours a week on top of 40, okay? And we would go on full overtime Monday morning come Friday afternoon. They'd say the concept will not work, stop work on it. We'll resume on Monday, and we'd resume on Monday with a different concept. For two years, we did that, finding, you know, where the problems were and, yeah. and, and solving them and so forth. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Fun time. Wow. Yeah. And that in, and all those fails, right, along the way, it doesn't work, but you kept you kept on pushing right. through. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a good life lesson. And, if, and a good life lesson, if someone tells you that you can't, <laughs> prove them wrong right. right prove them wrong right well um i want to end our time in prayer and just you know so much gratitude so um gracious loving god i thank you for this time together with ken and joanne and for this the tremendous blessing that they have been and continue to be here at desert spring um we thank you for the ways that we can look around and and see them in our church uh in the physical buildings and and also in in the people here thank you for the many lives that they've touched for the care that they have given um and for the way that they they, that they love you lord um bless them bless them and all that they continue to do and uh, we know that your light will continue to shine brightly through them amen 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 you guys god bless julie oh thank you you.